speaking the truth to the state capitol. This is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, it is Thursday, Drive Time Lincoln, January 26th. 31 degrees, feels like 24, winds 7 miles an hour out of the west. With a little touch of south in there. So the machine says. I'm your host, Jack Riggins, always trying to restore American values and bring a little common sense to the capital city. Johnny Cadillac's producing the show. Uh, Big news here in the capital city today. Uh, Suzanne Geist, conservative candidate for mayor, got the endorsement of the police union. That, if you are beginning to think and follow the local mayor's race, well, that's a big deal. With crime on the rise, which many people, depending on your party affiliation, are going to debate from here till you know, heck freezes over. Uh, but in the end of the day, when you have a sitting mayor and the challenger, one of them, um, in this case, Suzanne Geist, gets the union support, that's a big endorsement. Um, and obviously, you know, there's three people we know of right now, Stan Parker on the conservative side, Suzanne Geist, and uh, the current mayor, Larian Gaylord Bear. So uh, pay attention to that, because I do believe, as uh, candidate Geist is saying, and Sam Parker and the mayor, all three have said that public security is their number one thing. Um, but the police union has spoken on that matter, and... The rest of us will be left up to seeing in the case of the current mayor, whether we believe that her stance on crime and security, public safety um, is good enough or if it makes her vulnerable in the election. I wanted to mention, because, you know, I always have a fascination with what can happen on Twitter. But uh, I, I do want to give a shout out to I get really intrigued when Twitter wars start between local people um, and they can get really nasty. So I'm not encouraging anybody to get nasty in what they put on Twitter because it can get really, really, really nasty. But I would like to highlight um, at Sexy Rexy and at Chef Twit because they have been in about a 30 hour <laughs> Twitter war that somehow I got involved in that started just with them questioning Aaron Sandiford out of the Nebraska Examiner's reporting. And I just said, I think Aaron Sandiford and the Nebraska Examiner does a good job, uh, just like I think KLIN does a good job. Um, And boy, that just, I mean, it got nasty quick. And so my point is, I've offered for both of them to come on the show because I think it'd be great for them to carry it on on live radio. Um, I don't think they'd use the same language. But my point is, if you don't understand how dynamics on social media can, I guess, go into the sewer, that's a good example on that tweet to follow. And that's that's local here. Um, listen, I don't have a dog in the fight either way, however we want to uh, conduct ourselves on social media. But I will say this. I think it is small and low, and I know I don't pay much attention to to people on social media saying anything to me unless you actually have used your real name and and who you are right i think that it's kind of silly to have a fake handle and to go out there and, and throw trash uh the other one that i found on twitter has to do with uh what's going on with constitutional carry uh right now i assume it's still going on down at our state capital center brewers 
bill and everybody kind of getting on sides for the Second Amendment. And there was an interesting post. Uh, Senator uh, Megan Hunt, who um, <laughs> definitely doesn't see the world like I do, shows a, 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 a man that brought a 150-year-old black powder gun, the only kind of weapon, he says, envisioned by the framers of the Constitution, to the hearing today. And while that weapon is pretty cool, uh, she says, as the founders intended, this guy gets a pass because I think she's against it. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, sir, who brought that gun? That is really cool. 150-year-old black powder gun, um, just in the historical annals. But I will remind you, the Second Amendment, for those of us that don't take our civics seriously, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. No, I do not agree that the framers believed that a black powdered musket type rifle was the only weapon that uh, they intended. No, as a matter of fact, not only have the courts upheld my belief and the belief of the Second Amendment over the years, but I would suggest that the framers were actually smart enough to realize that weaponry, as it always has, um, improves, gets better, and that a true core meaning behind their intent in the Second Amendment was twofold. That governments always grow and can essentially become the worst enemy of the people. So therefore, the people have to stay armed. And second and probably most importantly to them at the time, was that other nations, other groups of people, will always try to come and essentially take over your little area, and therefore having the right to bear arms is twofold. It protects you against foreign adversaries, and it protects you, worst case, against your own government. So in fact... In the most crazy example, I bet you most of our framers would argue, well, if the government produces nuclear weapons, that probably means the civilians should have more nuclear weapons. And there there we lie in the current thing. So still a cool example of a 150-year-old gun, but in fact, that isn't what the framers envisioned, and that's not the intent of the Second Amendment um, for all of us just to be able to have you know, a muzzle loader, and for God's sakes, if that were, everybody would find a reason to argue about that, and uh, people would say, well, we can't have those muzzle loaders either. So then we'd be down to knives. Anyway, John Glenn Weaver, back in the studio, ha- since we've last talked to him, officially has said, I'm running for Senate. John, welcome back to Drive Time Lincoln. Jack, thank you so much. So it's uh, great to be here. Um. Let me get your mic on right now. <laughs> I'll say it says it is on, but it says it's on. Okay, yeah, well, what, what, right. we got it. You want me, okay, we got there we go. it. We got there it. We go. Com check. Com check. We, in the Air Force, we always do yeah, com, com checks. Check. You were com telling check, one, two, I had to launch three. a bomb and he couldn't hear you. Yeah, <laughs> loud and clear. Five by five. There you Jack, go. Five thanks. by five. Uh, Lima Charlie. Uh, there you go. And then we, I was saying half my bit without realizing my mic wasn't on. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what you're going to have. See, this is why the founding fathers said you need to have good audiovisual equipment as the country goes forward. Absolutely. You know, probably uh, because I gave that little rant on the Second Amendment, and you are a former 
Air Force officer. Uh, that's a legitimate question for people that want to be in the Senate. Yeah, absolutely. where are you on well, the Second Amendment? That's a great question. Let me think about. It. No, absolutely. <laughs> I am. I am as pro Second Amendment as anybody can be. I, I think the federal government should stay out of. Uh, people's business with their weapons uh there should be no labeling program of any weapons that anybody has people should be able to own as many guns as they want uh we need to bring more veterans into to securing the schools if we're concerned about school shootings i think that would help a lot but uh the, the minute we take guns away from the citizens we're opening up a huge gap for the u.s government at some point in time in the future that our founding fathers thought about to come in uh and gain that control over the people that our founding fathers did not did not envisioning them happening. And I think the Supreme Court on the January 18th turned away an emergency request of firearms dealers to halt uh, months old New York law that imposed new restrictions on gun purchases. So the, the Supreme Court is clearly on board with this as well. So, yeah, people need to be able to own a 150-year-old musket. I don't know if I'd fire that or not, but you know, he's <laughs> it's his gun. He could do what he wants with it, or they can, or they can have uh, guns that they want and uh, maybe... M1 tanks that we're sending to Ukraine. I don't know. It's oh, uh, I, I could never afford one of those. But, <laughs> but yeah. We, well, let, let me go there. It was one of my questions, actually. Again, we're on with uh, John Glenn Weaver. He is running for Senate, and we are going to ask him, although I don't think it's just going to be part of the conversation. I know he's got a website out there, weaverforsenate.com. Um, that's where you can go uh, find John Glenn Weaver and, and start to know about his background and everything besides media appearances like this. Um and it was on my questions. I was going to say, you and I, both as former military officers and combat veterans, uh, we probably pay attention a little bit more than the average American to our foreign policy and decisions on where we spend and what we see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on um, it, literally combat hardware heading over to Ukraine from the United States? And it sounds like it hasn't been well publicized, but it sounds like some other NATO nations are going to do yeah, the same. Yeah, so so the Germans are sending, I think, fourteen Leopard tanks, and the and the uh, the Brits want to send some Challenger tanks over. It seems a lot like Vietnam in the early late fifties. It seems a lot like Afghanistan, where we've got this mission creep going on. Where okay, let's send them some money. All right, that's not enough. We'll send them some body armor. We'll send them some more money. We'll send them some you know, Patriot battles and we'll, batteries, and then we'll send them some tanks. I mean, at some point in time, we're on a slippery slope here. What does Putin think we're going to do to escalate this? Uh, and I think the most important job a U.S. senator has is sending our young men and women to combat to die for their country. And I, I serve my country in 11 deployments, combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan for the start of the Afghan war until the end of it for 20 years. And so I'm just thinking back, looking at this. We need a senator in the United States Senate that will will stop this mission creep and figure out what the end state, what the goals are before you just send money over there and send our tanks that that uh, we don't want to build a wall, but we're sending tanks to Ukraine. I just I don't think it's a bad idea. I think we just need to know what's the end state and how do I know that at some point in time? Well, let's send a. Let's send a platoon of, 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 of black ops over there, special forces, to kind of help the Ukrainians. And then one of those men or women gets killed. And before you know it, we've got ourselves escalated into a war. And I, I think uh, very, we've got, I think it was 17% of, of congressional leaders are veterans. And I think that really help, hurts us on foreign policy, especially getting into war. And that's just veterans. That's not... Um, that's not combat veterans. That's not military retirees like you and I. I mean, serving 22 years, you at 20 years, gives you a lot of experience, especially in a wartime battlefield. 
uh, scenario with combat missions and, and uh, on the ground and in the air. And I'm just very, very concerned about is is 31 tanks really going to put the nail in the coffin on this? And I don't think it is. Uh, I don't have any top secret. <laughs> I don't have. I haven't haven't had any top secret briefings, and I don't have any classified in my garage. But so I'm <laughs> I'm kind of blind on this, just reading you know what the news sources say. But I would ask if I was if, if I was the U.S. senator, I would say, look, we had the last man die in Afghanistan was from Nebraska. Okay escalating things in ukraine i'm very very concerned you know the first man to die in vietnam was from pender nebraska the last man to die in afghanistan was from nebraska i i would go to bed every night wondering how joe biden is going to get us in a war where we have to send nebraskans to war to fight for their country when it's not worth it and 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 that's what would keep me up late at night and that's what i would spend every waking hour as the your new next u.s senator to be able to stop well, that's a good answer. It's an answer I understand, and I think it's well articulated. Uh, hey, folks, uh, the Rickstein Recognition Hotline is open, 402-479-1400. Same with the text line. I tried to get it out on Twitter. Um, John Glenn Weavers, he'll answer your questions. He might as well. If the guy's going to throw his hat in the ring you know, in a couple years to run for Senate, um, he might as well start ask, answering your questions. Yeah, let's you know? send him my way, absolutely. And I know that, uh, I know that you go around the state, since you've retired and you've been really good about uh, starting to meet with people and get your message out and see what Nebraskans are thinking. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. I think sometimes people don't think of the personal cost, but no. for those of us that served, it's very easy to um, bring it down to that level. And I do think that it is important um, for the elected officials to be able to feel that and articulate that as you did talking about right. Vietnam, because it does have a cost. Um, and so it's just interesting. I mean, I'll, I'm not you. I'm not running for Senate. So I'll just say it, folks, everybody that's ever studied uh, even Mark one motto uh, military history knows that uh, 31 tanks, another 14 from wherever and another 15 does nothing. The Russians have already lined up more than that just yeah. by hearing that it's coming over. So it doesn't make a strategic um it doesn't weigh and go oh great it's, now is it a morale builder for the ukrainians it might be um but what i would tell you me jack the private citizen is i couldn't stand back at this point if that stuff goes over there with my combat experience and i could not as an american i could not fault the russians for saying the americans are escalating this war yeah and we're escalating on such a small scale i mean i'm not a tank platoon commander but i mean i i think 31 tanks is probably not even a company i mean somebody could correct me on that i just don't think you want to allow a potential adversary with a potential world war to have any excuse to be able to stand on the world exactly. stage and, and there's say, other ways there's other ways to deter russia i worked at stratcom for two years and on the joint staff for two years there's other ways to deter russia from doing what they're doing and i don't think 31 tanks is the way to do it but we don't have leaders in the Senate that have served 22 years and in combat to tell the military, you know, come back with a better answer on how we're going to do this and talk to the president about how we're going to do this better. All right. Um, we're going to take a break here in a minute, but I, w- I want you to think about this one. This is kind of the elephant in the room as you've made the circles and announced and other press outlets have started to get a hold of you. And I just want you to think about it, which is, do you know what Senate seat you're running for? And if you don't, which is fair, how do you go about figuring that out? Kind of how- How are you going to work that process? Uh, We're on with uh, John Glenn Weaver, uh, running for U.S. Senate in 2024, correct? That's correct, yep. 2024. All right, Drive Time Lincoln, 1400-993-KLIN. 
You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, John Glenn Weaver's on the show. He's running for U.S. Senate in 2024. Uh, he's new to politics, just retired from the U.S. Air Force. Uh, you may or may not have heard his name, but uh, we're just kind of getting his name out there. There's nothing wrong with uh, multiple candidates and things like that. Uh, one of the questions that, as he has been going around talking about this on media, has he hasn't announced what seat, and uh, that's a big question people are asking. You know, And so I say, you know, do you know the seat yet? And if not, how does one go about figuring that out? Yeah, so I, I don't actually know yet, right? So now I'm trying to build name recognition, just get my word out there. And, and I, rather than running against somebody, I put the, the, the question out to Nebraskans that I'm here for you guys. I'm fighting for you guys. So no matter what seat I'm in, I'm fighting for you. But I'll, I'll let people know in the next... Uh, two or three weeks with a press release, but my main focus now is getting my message out there of conservative uh, Republican values, fighting for uh, Nebraska. Nebraska will always be first. When I had the the interview with uh, Governor Pillen to fill the uh, the vacancy, he said, "Hey, are you going to put the U.S. first or Nebraska first? And you know, it's kind of like in the in the Air Force, we had um, mission first people always. Uh, Nebraska will always be first. Whenever I fight for policies, it'll be for Nebraska. It'll be for Nebraska Ag. It'll be for Stratcom. It'll be for the 55th Wing. It'll be for Commerce. It'll be for the university here. Uh, and then after that, you know, obviously everything I do will be in support of the U.S. Constitution of the United States of America. But uh, I'm there representing the state of Nebraska. So when they see me, they will see Nebraska except on game days. <laughs> I think I think that you know that is lost sometimes at the national level of politics is that you are there to represent Nebraska and yes at times you are going to weigh in on big US interest it's it's one and the same but in the end of the day you're elected by Nebraskans. Absolutely and, and, that, and I, my family's going to live here I'm not moving to Washington DC I'm not buying a house in DC. Fair enough we'll be back on with uh, John Glenn Weaver 1499 3KLIN. Drive Time Lincoln with the Commander Jack Riggins on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety-nine three KLIN. All right, we're back on here with uh, John Glenn Weaver running for Senate in twenty twenty-four. Uh, you can find his website at weaverforsenate.com. I've had him on the show quite a few times. Why? Well, because it's an interesting story. He's a former uh, Air Force officer, combat veteran, pilot. Um, and, you know, right as he was transitioning out of the military, he jumped into the uh, first congressional race, a little bit behind the typical, uh, <laughs> you know, political timeline, but nonetheless volunteer. And I thought that was interesting. And so I've kept up with him. And then he was uh, one of the first uh, when there was an open in the Senate seat to drop his resume to now Governor Pillen and and go through that process. And and basically, as you've said, John, I mean, you. You yeah. have dedicated what you can time-wise and energy to uh, being serious about representing Nebraskans in D.C. And uh, as I like to say, yeah, that's how our system's built. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. And, and veterans, uh, they, they don't sit around and figure out, you know, if there's a problem to solve, and a lot of veterans on the show probably know this that are listening, uh, you solve the problem. You don't figure out, you know, all the in nuances and in and outs. I mean, you got to... You got an issue, you solve the issue because it's important to the people. Um, you learn as you go along, and as long as your, you know, mission analysis is right at the beginning, and you take the risk. Uh, and America's worth the risk. Look, I mean, I served 22 years. Uh, America is worth the risk of me running uh, for the U.S. Senate. I'm going to be successful, but it, it's worth that personal risk to me because I love America. I love Nebraska so much. Uh, that this is an easy decision for me. Yeah, it's interesting because you're absolutely right. Anybody that's served 
listen, we all know what it's like. The U.S. taxpayer gives us the best hardware and the coolest things, but the reality is, is we need rigor tape and, yeah. and some paracord, and we make things work, and we just solve problems constantly. And to be honest, uh, we work with people, and we work with every, every demographic of American from all over the United States, yeah. and most of us do get to serve overseas, so we have a, a good understanding of not only what America is, uh, but we've spent, you know, at least a quarter of our lives, if not more, yeah. uh, defending that. And so it's important to us. You know, one of the things that uh, Joel on the text line, and Joel, I appreciate you asking a question. He he asked, and it's, it's a fair question because Nebraskans, certainly within the Republican Party now, uh, think think a lot of different things about our elected Republicans, wherever they live in the state, local, national. But he, he says, will you be vocal about your conservative values and stances, you know, and not just kind of a, a rollover senator or yeah, elected official? That's a great question. Um, absolutely. I mean, when we were in the military, I mean, we, we, we had a, a, you know, step out and draw fire. You're not going to atta- attract the enemy or kill the enemy by sitting in a foxhole, you know, hoping he's going to walk out in front of him. I mean, you got to step out there, take fire, shoot fire. And uh, absolutely, I'm going to be a senator like, um, oh, probably Josh Hawley. Uh, Ted Cruz, somebody that just gets out there, is very vocal, respectful in all ways, um, to, that's there to fight for Nebraska. I'm, I'm not there to keep the seat warm. You know, I'm, I'm there to serve the people, uh, and I'm going to focus on serving the people, and I'm going to be vocal about what I believe in the conservative values. I'm going to work with other people where I can to, to help Nebraskans. But I'm not there to, you know, make sure I can make it till 70 or 80 or, you know, Diane Feinstein now 90 years old to be a senator. Like, you pick I, such great examples. Though. I mean, I think, I mean, I've already spent three years in D.C. I mean, and I'm going to, I signed up for term limits. I'm going to do two terms uh, if they'll have me for that long. But, uh, you know, I did my time in the military. I want to do some, t- do some time to serve the people of uh, Nebraska in the Senate. So for me, this is, this is. A short amount of time. So let me get that it. on the record. Term limits. Yeah, absolutely. In favor, you sign yeah, before you say, it. I honor it. I'm not there to, uh, you know, do it for 40 years and become a billionaire and have my wife, you know, making trades back when I get inside <laughs> information. Nope, 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 nope. My well wife as, has a great job at UNMC and my awesome. kids are in school here. I'm not moving to D.C. She wouldn't. She's from Minnesota. She wouldn't move to D.C., so no. <laughs> <laughs> Easy answer. I don't think she's been there, actually. Well, she's probably better off for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's an acquired taste, in my opinion. Uh, one of the things that, you know, a lot of us, a lot of people in Nebraska right now, folks, you hear me talk about it all the time, and it depends on what your experience has been in politics. But, you know, I, I've just summarized it, that there there are people that have been savvy in Nebraska politics, you know, over the last 10, 20, maybe 30 years, and there's a lot of newcomers now. And, you know, I've kind of... In my own mind, I'll call it GOPE. I mean, it's not fair to say establishment, but you got to have a name, and I'll, I'll name the other side Freedom Caucus. I mean, there's internal politics, but what have you learned? Because it is very different going from active duty in a military organization to stepping into just going to political meetings and beginning to talk to people right. about what have you learned about politics locally well, or nationally that is surprising you in this quest? Well, so what's really surprising me surprised me is the party politics and then the people. When I talk to the people, hey, they're all on board with me serving. How can I help? Yes, I'd absolutely vote for you. You get into party politics, and well, party politics is like party politics. It's like tribal, you know, in, in Afghanistan, we'd hold shuras, you know, <laughs> uh, with, with the locals and the power brokers that be, and the, the, the Taliban would come in, and they'd want what they wanted, and 
you know, the local mullahs would come in and he, you know, they, the sheiks would come in and, you know, whatever they wanted to do. And you'd bring people together through translators and figure out a way forward. To me, that's Nebraska party politics, whereas the people outside, they just want the services, goods and services provided to them. And so I'm really encouraged as I go talk to Nebraskans about how energized they are for my campaign, how energized they are for me, uh, towards me and thank me for doing this and my, their support for me. So I try to, you know, deal with the, the party politics as I, as I have to, but my main focus is serving the people outside of the party politics because I think sometimes in the polit- in the uh, GOP, any GOP and in, in around, we can get in a little bit of an echo chamber and what they talk in the military is a little bit of groupthink. I think they're doing great stuff. But if you really want to know what Nebraskans care about, you got to talk to Nebraskans. And so that's what I'm focused on. Yeah, and so what you're describing, you know, there's there's the people and what, what they want out of elected officials mm-hmm. and, and, frankly, parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the mechanisms of which parties operate. And it's no secret in this state right now. I mean, Republicans are um, have some tribal nature to them yeah. at this time. It hasn't cost Republicans anything. As a matter of fact, I think that when that stuff all works out, parties become stronger. And I think every... Uh, Republican that I've had on here understands that that is kind of a unique Republican dynamic where there's a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing to get to common solutions to an outsider. It can look very ugh. But in the end of the day, there's a history of coming back with stronger parties and values to get people right. elected at all levels. No, that that's and, and I think people are sick of the party politics, you know, and I think our last Senate race, we didn't win. The, the Republicans didn't win the Senate because I think they realized like. We have a candidate problem, okay? We, we don't have a money problem. Mitch McConnell, I think, has $350 million. Adam Laxalt lost. Herschel Walker lost. Mehmet Oz lost. I mean, so these are what the people are telling us is these are we have a candidate problem, okay? If you lose to John Fetterman, you've got a candidate problem, you know? And so I think me as a great candidate to serve Nebraska, I've got leadership experience. I've had skin in the game. I'll continue to serve Nebraska and conservative principles, talk about my platform, and then I'm there to serve them. Uh, and then money will come as, as it comes. But uh, I'm a great candidate that's electable in the state. Uh, and, you know, in, in, in the party politics, will say, hey, nobody's ever heard of him. He'll lose to a Democrat. Well, what Democrat? I mean, Bob Kerry's already told Jane Kleb this and that and the other and wasn't very pleased with her. So there is no Democratic candidate. And in Nebraska, I don't know if you read the polls, but the collect the cook political report has like if you could go solid red and then another couple columns to the right right more red that's the nebraska senate seat so so i don't want people outside uh of the party politics to to believe maybe rumors coming around that hey i can't win because i'm not uh nobody knows who i am and a democrat's going to come in at the night well and you've got you've got time Because you have the time and you're motivated and you're making the circles to get your name out there and to let people know your platform. Um, And like I said, I I truly believe that this dynamic is the way America had always intended for it to work. Um, And generally speaking, the parties will support all candidates fairly and let the people decide. And so, you know, I'm a champion of anybody that wants to on any side of the aisle, you know, try to make a run at any office. One of the things that um, was brought up um, is, yeah, I think I, I will take issue a little bit with, I agree with you on candidate quality. I mean, that makes right. sense. One of the things I think that happened last, and I think is in the next couple of years still an issue, is the party itself also has to be able to mobilize generally in a more... uh Everybody in the party behind certain candidates as well. I mean, the right. primaries have to play themselves out, 
but then you have to have your candidate. And I do think that when you talk about a Fetterman or some of these other candidates, there's also dynamics that are uh, candidate quality mixed with some internal divisive party stuff in, say, Pennsylvania or whatever that, you know, that can make Republican candidates vulnerable. Do you know what I mean? Until all conservatives kind of, as we like to say, move out in the same direction. We saw that in the in the governor's race, and people have told me that might shape up in the senatorial race. I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm certainly going to keep uh, keep this professional and focused on the issues, but yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, texter, interesting question. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about illegals um, coming into Nebraska and the stem of flow from the southern border um, and what it is doing, you know, not only to the southern border states, but here in Nebraska and how that can impact Nebraska values as, as they have been. Oh, well, having illegal aliens run around Nebraska is criminal, right? And so now I think, uh, I can't remember which senator put it, maybe it was Tom Cotton or, or Ted Cruz put a bill said, you know, illegal aliens cannot vote because the Democrats want illegal aliens to vote. I am absolutely against illegal aliens voting. I mean, stop. And so we need to build the wall. We need to have uh, legal immigration where you're led in this country based on the skills that you have and what you can add to America, not just because your mom lives here. You shouldn't be able to get a fast-track ticket into America. But, yeah, if, if you have illegal immigrants coming into Nebraska, uh, it waters down our values. It waters down um, they're not paying you know taxes. They're not legal immigrants to be able to work to be able to earn an income, to pay for the roads. So they're using all our goods and services and health care, but yet not paying into the system. And that has to stop because then we would just become a third world country without borders. And I, I think uh, I'm using a quote somebody else quoted, but every state is a border state. And uh, instead of the tanks to Ukraine, I want a, I want a border wall and security. I like that. Agents, yes. I like that. Let's let's spend a little money on infrastructure at home, real infrastructure, um, without a doubt. Um, you brought it up early in the interview. A lot of people look to guys like you and I who handled TSSCI uh, information in our daily, daily jobs. Um, and so they ask right now, um, what do you think when you hear about all this classified it's, stuff it's, going it's, on at the national level? It's, it's, it's preposterous. It's like saying... <laughs> They let my kid fly an F-16. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you and I would, in 23 years, I never had an incident or an investigation on me or anything. Uh, and that's not like tooting my horn, but, but there are procedures and protocols for this. And to think that they would be so loose about it, um, you know, is, is offensive and it questions whether or not they should be in public office. You know, I, President Trump took documents out. I think he's a, you know, it's a little bit different because he's a president building a presidential library. But there has to be consequences uh, for a senator. You know, Joe Biden, a lot of stuff they're finding uh, in his garage when he was a U.S. senator. I can guarantee people there will be no documents in my garage when I'm your U.S. senator. And I'm going to also hold other people accountable. I had I had a top secret clearance for 22 years, plus or minus a couple months, uh, and even, even higher. You know, you've got uh, SAP Stowe programs, secret access programs. You've had... Special read-ins. When I worked in in D.C., I worked uh, at the Pentagon, working in the intelligence community, at Defense Intelligence Agency, the CIA, and a bunch of other three-letter agencies. But it shows I have a reverence for our classified systems, and, and letting that information go out the door compromises men and women serving this country in top-secret roles and black ops roles. Uh, we have people working in other countries that nobody knows about collecting intelligence for us. And if those documents were to release their names or locations or collections and methods that we've spent a lot of money, especially with space, if that was to ever get released, it would be harmful to the United States based on a money 
and also on a human capital level. So it's it's not just hey he let one piece of paper go. I mean, and the DNI is doing research right now to figure out what are the complications for letting this stuff go. And I think we need immediately to uh, to figure out what are the complications to make sure that men and women serving this country, either in um, an intel capacity or, or in uniform or not are not put in danger but it's we need to be we need accountability for this yeah we need accountability folks it's gross negligence and when you've done it for a career like we have and anybody else that was in our shoes right. it, it is darn near impossible to do meaning even if you wanted to do that the only person in this recent thing that we've heard is a former president that has declassified authority right right and there's a special thing there other than that years and years of it is sad and it undermines trust of our elected leaders and that really frustrates me because of the young people that you and i know are doing these things right as we live and breathe i mean you have an airman that's you know 20 something years old that can follow the law but the president and the vice or the president vice president uh, what then senator can't do it i mean and so we got a leadership problem right right let me get to a caller uh howdy uh welcome back to drive time lincoln howdy do you have a question for uh john glenn weaver howdy oh there's old hiding biden hiding in the basement and the documents with him oh uh baseline budgeting i think uh the current problem is overspending in this government and I want to know your opinion on baseline budgeting. We should get rid of it and make these departments show what they actually need to spend and quit adding on top of their last year's budget. That's ridiculous. What do you think? Thanks for the call, Howdy. Absolutely. We Like, again, I like all Nebraskans. We have to live within our means, and the government should do the same. Uh, I remember in the military, you know, we got, hey, it's the end of the fiscal year. We've got all this money. How in the heck are we going to spend it? Um, that has to go away. We need a balanced budget amendment where we do not spend uh, more than we make. And just because you got $100 million last year in your whatever agency doesn't mean you get 110 I mean, your mission has to support what you need. So, yeah, we need a baseline budget where you get X amount of dollars, uh, get rid of a lot of the waste, and just live, live ask our you know agencies to live with in their means you know we were in a war in afghanistan for 20 years we're out of war now and the budget for the dod is still the same which makes me ask the question how could you end a war and your dod budget increase wars are expensive right so if you're out of a war in afghanistan shouldn't the budget go down which makes me think senators have you know got back backdoor deals going on with uh I'm not saying any illegals, anything illegal is going on, but relationships where they're, you know, contractor needs this amount of money. And so, well, let's, you know, pad the DOD budget. And we just need a lion and a courageous leader like Albie to stand up and go, no, we're not. First of all, we got to get rid of the debt. We need a balanced budget amendment. And I, I would not agree with a debt increase in the debt ceiling to pass this on to the next generation either. Yeah, great question, Howdy. I always appreciate when you call in. Um, call in again for story time because uh, I think the listeners enjoy when you go on story time. Uh, you kind of hit on it a little bit. You said the word courage a couple of times, but as a core value, as a starting point, uh, what will you bring to Nebraskans that you know is is different or, in your opinion, you know, more enhancing to Nebraskans if you were elected in 2024? Yeah. So I'll always, you know, in the in the Air Force, it was service before self, uh, integrity first. Uh, we live by those mantras, and uh, and I'll just carry all of my military integrity on to the United States Senate. Uh, I'll always live with integrity up there, knowing that my boss is ne- Nebraskan people. And when, when, when they have me in Washington, D.C., they'll be proud to have me up there serving them um, on a term-limited basis. 
and you know, to be honest with you, it's like a retired lieutenant colonel going to work in the Senate. I mean, I'm not going to act any different uh, based on you know having that position. I'm going to be reachable. I'm going to be attainable. I'm going to do town halls. You're going to see me in the third congressional district, driving around, maybe flying around if I can afford a little more gas for the airplane. Uh, Donate so he can get gas. I guess (laughs) that that was a really bad pitch for donations. I'm joking. (laughs) Hey, every little bit, it's uh, sick. I'm going out to uh, Scotts Bluffs next week, and so yeah, it's a seven hour drive, and so but you you got to get out and see the people. But I'll just bring integrity. Uh, nobody will be in my back pocket. You know, I'm going to have a lot of supporters and a lot of people giving me money for this campaign because it takes a lot to run a campaign. Uh, but no, nobody's going to own me. The only people that are going to own me are the people of Nebraska. And uh, my door is always open. Uh, visit my website. Send me a note. I'll get I'll get back with you. But yeah, uh, website is. Uh you got it? I got it. Weaverforsenate.com. <laughs> what about your handles on social media? So social media is JG Weaver. NE November Echo across uh, True Social, Twitter, Facebook, Getter, um, and YouTube. There you go. John Glenn Weaver on 1499 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499 KLIN. All right. Air Force uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel John Glenn Weaver, 22 years of service, um, has been retired and walked right into politics and wants to be in politics and he wants to serve in the u.s senate he's announced uh, really early but he's been part of the process trying to figure it out um do you have a call to action for people because obviously you're just you've got two years you're getting started yeah absolutely uh, a lot of people don't know who i am so yeah john glenn weaver uh weaver for senate.com and so what i would ask just people is just uh just to learn about me i mean you might not agree with everything i have to say and if you don't please reach out i mean this is my full-time job. I'll meet people. I'll meet one person or a thousand people as I travel around and go to meetings and things and talk to people. Uh, if you're just one person, you matter to me. And um, I'll come out and see you where you're at and talk about what your thoughts are on Nebraska. Because I think a lot about being a senator is not so much going out and just talking to people, but it's also listening. It's probably 70% listening, 30% talking. Uh, and if and if you don't tell me what you're thinking, I can't be a good senator for you and serve you in ways that you need to be served. So uh i'm on all the uh the social media platforms i check those daily i got an email uh link to my website um uh, i got my cell phone number up there i'm a, i got my whatsapp on my facebook jg weaver any november echo at the end like nebraska uh, i'm approachable i live uh in dundee uh, memorial park area um so yeah hit me up i'll uh full-time dad now with my son anders and my daughter, so uh, meet. I'd love to meet anybody, 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 and everybody for a cup of coffee, and um, just to sit down and talk and see, listen to your story. I can tell you my story of 22 years in the Air Force, but yeah, WeaverForSenate.com. I'd love to hear from you. All right, folks, we'll be back on Friday. I, Caleb Henry, will be in the studio. Maybe we'll talk some sports. I've been impressed with how the new Nebraska football staff is uh, integrating into culture. They're doing good. Uh, John, you're going to have to come back on and answer a call sign Dream because I just noticed it on your website. Dreamweaver. Oh, there yeah. You go. Dream, Dreamweaver. Do you want to play that music 1499.3 KLIN. <laughs>